Welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of All Car Radio, the world's most popular UK-based car leasing uh, podcast and the home of original content. If you know, you know. Today's subject, uh, we are talking about one of Chris's uh, latest blogs on brake checking, uh, followed by the usual car reviews, um, customer questions, and obviously Chris's hot deals of the week, number three of 2020. So we may as well just get straight into the subject. We wanted to try and create more uh, sort of bite-sized um, podcasts because when we've been checking the stats, you know, the full people seem to drop off after maybe half an hour mm. or something like that. We, we completely get it. Commutes, you know, don't often go towards the hour mark. So we wanted to make them a little bit shorter on a short and snappy subject um, for, for those, well, to cater to the audience who seems to like a particular length because they, they, they seem to get the most amount of downloads. Nice variety as well. So not everyone's a marathon. Yeah, sometimes so. we take a look at some subjects that we actually want to cover in a podcast, but we seem to have a bit of a debate about whether we can even get to a certain minute and then we scrap it. Um, but a lot of those um, podcasts that never got created because of that, we found out the most interesting subjects and we thought brick checking um, is one of those. So we're going to give it a go and you know it, we'll take some feedback from our listeners and then see where we go from there. But anyway, with it being Chris's blog, Chris is going to pretty much be the host and I'm going to be the support on this one. So I'll take it away. All right. So we may as well get straight into it with what the definition of brake checking is. So brake checking is the act of sharply hitting the brakes whilst driving with a vehicle behind you uh, with the intention of making the unsuspecting vehicle slam on their own brakes or swerve out of the way lest they cause an accident. Uh, it sort of stems from the common thought that insurance companies would find the victim at fault for not leaving enough space to react or break in the event of an emergency, i.e. blame you for tailgating. If anyone out there is a big fan of um, what they called um, dashcam video compilations on YouTube, uh, obviously not as popular anymore because of the monetization issue with YouTube, but still there are plenty of them out there. Everyone will know what brake checking is. Um, you know, it just comes out of nowhere and they just slam on the brakes. There's nothing, there's no obstruction, nothing. They are literally doing it just, just to, well. Out of malice. Yeah, yeah but, th- you know, there are a few reasons why people would brake check, aren't there? Yeah, so the first reason is road rage, which, as you mentioned, you're seeing lots of the uh, dashcam compilations. Right? Shout out, UK idiots exposed. Uh, motorists <laughs> sort of dangerously overtake the person sort of they're aggrieved with, slam on the brakes before speeding off again. It's also quite a common response to just being tailgated. Judging by uh, seeing people brake check and uh, obviously the, these dashcam videos, the one thing that the people that do brake check have in common is that they are the ones that created the initial sort of mistake to cause uh, the victim, I've got quote marks, you can't see, um, to sort of beep them or something. And then they become obviously almost, uh, almost reverse annoyed by saying, I've made a mistake, but how dare you calling me for yeah. it? I'm going to break check you to, sh- to teach you a lesson. Um, so yeah, it's so it starts off by the road rage by one driver, then it's finished off by the other driver getting road rage. And then obviously no one looks good. When you sit, when you see it, uh, unfurl in front of you on a, on a dashcam video you actually no one comes out looking very good no half the time they end up both looking immature as you've said but if you've got kids in the car things like that things that they don't consider in the heat of the moment and that's why road rage is such a, a big problem it is it is really dangerous but the second reason why people brake check is uh, a little bit more sinister and that's crash for cash so the reports of like, some motorists just brake checking just to cause a collision in, intentionally in order to get either an insurance payout or, I think more commonly, 
sort of cash in hand say, oh, sorry, you've hit my car, but oh, let's just not go through the insurance. I'll give you 200 quid and we'll call it, call it quits. Yeah. But then ring the insurance company anyway, I get a second payout. Well, <clears throat> cash for cash, um, especially with uh, with brake checking, is one of the biggest reasons why dash cams now are all over the place. Um, so in, like, I can't guarantee it and I'm, you know, I can't speak for an insurance company, but what would they say if they saw the dash cam footage and they can see that the, the, the victim originally had given enough space between them and the vehicle in front, but then a car comes out of absolute nowhere because they've either shoved in, uh, pulled into a lane without indicating, or gone round around about in the wrong lane, then the emergency have to go in. Then they brake check. They can't really apply the the, the rule of um, safe braking distance because uh, an obstruction, which is obviously the, the brake checking vehicle... Yeah, and it creates this knee-jerk reaction and that the brake check dangers of brake checking isn't always the car in front of you. And, and yourself, it can also be the car behind you and the car in front who caused the brake checking has just gone off scot-free because they've not had a collision. But I think if they had dashcam footage of that, I think they, they, they'd be fine. And if anything, they could probably counterclaim and win because of they did give safe distance and they just, just came in without, without warning whatsoever. Yeah. I suppose the only really acceptable way of brake checking is the literal sense of the word, like, testing your brakes to see if they're effective, you know, like, like, like old school kind of drivers would do. Yeah. Just to keep an eye on things uh, well maintained or not. But. Yeah, I remember my dad used to do it um, many decades ago. If, if there was no one around on the road, he'd slam on his brakes just to, just to check that they were still capable of doing that because you want, you don't want to wait until you definitely need your brakes yeah, the real to be thing. working. Um, but at the same time, it was an old car. Brakes weren't as reliable as they used to be back then. So it's it's not really a common practice anymore. But I think that's probably where the term came from. Brake checking. You're checking that your brakes are working. Or if the car's in front of you, they're checking to see your brakes are working. Yeah, I was going to say now it's, it's them testing you to see if you're either ready to brake or... Uh... Or whether you're just going to go into the back of it. Well, what they want to achieve is they want you to have to slam on, yeah. jerk the car and get annoyed, just like they're annoyed. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a spiral, isn't it? A completely unnecessary road rage yeah. spiral where everyone gets annoyed. And it's also illegal, which leads on to the next point, and that brake checking is classed as dangerous driving, so that can carry up to a two-year prison sentence and an unlimited fine. However, if the crash re- results in a death, the maximum sentence can be up to 14 years in prison as that's death by dangerous driving uh, just a little plug if you weren't aware that brake checking is illegal we have a, an article on other dangerous driving offences you didn't know were illegal so I'll link that in the show notes below and I'm pretty sure we did a podcast on that as well yes I and think before we you go to, to the next point my point about the insurance companies being very interested in the dashcam footage seems uh, more than just a guess now doesn't it based on what you've said if brake checking is illegal uh, there's been a bit of an accident and the um that is dashcam footage and shows that they brake check in, then it's bad news. For they them. probably just won't pay out. If your car was damaged, someone like with the pay out. If you were the brake checker, as in. So, if you're certain you're being targeted by another motorist and you're being brake checked, the only real option you have is to try and leave as much space between you and the offending vehicle as possible. Ideally, a two second gap. Obviously, a little bit more in the rain. This often means slowing right down, which may give you some anxiety as to what the motorists behind you are thinking, but it's better than going into the back of the brake checker, which essentially gives them what you want. And if you do have to deal with them, you're obviously going to be dealing with an irate person that's already a little bit bonkers for trying to brake check you in the first place, swapping insurance details, or worse, having them try to pressure you into paying cash. 
Uh, for obvious reasons, you want to make all efforts to avoid a collision. However, if you do get brake checked, which results in colliding with the vehicle in front, you may be accused of tailgating, which is also illegal. So you want, if you are keeping a safe distance between your vehicle and the vehicle in front, hopefully you've got a dash cam to prove uh, otherwise. Yeah, and what I would say is whenever I see a driver on the road that um, seems a little bit unhinged and maybe I, you know, no, there has been a collision, I get out of the lane that that person's in. Yeah. I slow down and I let the guy just get on with it. I don't engage. A lot of people, obviously, road rage gets most people. You know, don't try and keep up with him. Don't stay right behind him. Or her. Mm. Um, just get away from them as much as possible. Get into the, uh, another lane. Slow right back. Get another car in between you. You know, make it someone else's problem, but not yours. But obviously, it's easier said than done, but just don't get dragged in to a, raid, a road rage war with them. It, um, it's never going to end well. But do you think it's worth reporting stuff like this to the police? Well, some people do, don't they? If they've got, if you haven't got dash cam footage, I probably wouldn't because it's hard to prove. There's, there's nothing to to say. But if you have got dash cam footage, I would probably uh, send it to the police. You know, via not with the emergency numbers or anything like that. You can use Twitter quite often of of the local police. Um, if you've got their registration number, you can just look. Um, just send them the video and say, look, this happened on the road. I think it's worth someone having a word with him or her when they get a chance. But, but believe it there. Don't use the emergency channels. Don't call 999 or anything like that. Send the video on to the, to the local police constabulary and just let them decide whether they want to take any. Because the chances are, if, he, if that person has brake-checked you, they're probably going to brake-check other people. And driving around like that is probably something that, that they do quite, quite often. And if you're listening to this and you are a brake-checker, stop. Just, just don't do it. Um, because it could cause so much damage just because of one daft thing. If, if you're on sort of like a motorway and you're on the fast lane and you brake check someone and there's a crash and it's rainy or something like that, you know, you could end up causing a casualty or, or worse than that. And all for what? Just to, to let the car know behind you that you're a bit irate. Well, look, if you are irate with the other person but everyone's absolutely fine, no one's been hurt, just just move on and get on with it. Another reason you could dial sort of 111 for is uh, if someone's hit your car and then they just make off, obviously that's an offence in itself. Um, you have to exchange insurance details as soon as there's been a, a collision if they've just driven off. Obviously, if you dial 999, it's unlikely that you know they're going to treat it as an emergency, so you are just going to dial 111. They won't the even want to take control. But yeah, that is the end of this little section here. We're just now going to do customer reviews, um car reviews, and uh, the deals of the week. So thanks for listening to this feature. Uh, first question comes from Graham from Manchester, who asks if privacy glass blocks UV rays. Um, as soon as we got the question in, I actually wrote a blog on straight away and I published it today, which is the 27th. So you can see the full article on the blog. But in short, privacy glass does not actually block any UV rays whatsoever. All it does is give you a bit of privacy, hence the name if you do want to block UV rays, and if you've got small children, long journeys during the summer in particular, you definitely should because, you know, it can cause skin problems. Um, then you'll need to probably get window tints that have UV blocking uh, features on it. Uh, a car sunshade, you know, those little animal print stuff that most cars have in the back. Especially, especially parents. Um, and, or alternatively, put uh, sunscreen lotion on them. But um, but that was such a good question that we we obviously wanted to answer it in full, which, which we've now done. But yeah, privacy glass does not protect from the sun at all. 
In fact, the only window in the whole car that does that is the windscreen. All the cars on the side do not offer any UV protection whatsoever. And before I started writing it into the research, I didn't know that. I was completely unaware of that as well. I never really even considered that. It's the whole dark thing, isn't yeah, it? You, just you, assume... thought, you thought you'd be saving money by just getting privacy glass and not having to have a sunshade. Yeah, exactly. So okay. if anyone did know, did know that, they've got kids in the back, well, you know, invest in a car sunshade. Um, because especially if you're, if you're doing a journey, say, hour plus, and your baby's in the back, and the sun's beaming on their face, you know, that could really cause some uh, problems. And prolonged exposure to UV rays can cause skin cancer. So it's not actually something to joke about, uh, but something, definitely something worth to, con- uh, something to consider. Our other question is from Nadim Anwar, who asks if we can, uh, uh, he can get, um, can design, uh, on a lease car, and obviously, most of the time we want to give uh, apologies for the train getting past, but most of the time we want to give people good news. But unfortunately, we can't provide you with a car design. You know, range, let's use Range Rover as as an example. It would have to be after the delivery, approved by the finance company, and probably reverted back to original before you give it back. It's in the same way that car modification works. Yeah, yeah, which we've done quite an extensive uh, article on that, and we'll try and put that in the show notes as well. But modifying a car is tricky when it comes to leasing because of the ownership element. So it's the it's the finance company that owns the car and not yourself. So and you've got to um, take into consideration what the finance company wants to do with the car once it's, they've got it back. Uh, but you never know if you you know if you call up the finance company and say I want to do this. Quite often, you know, car design improves the value of the car, and they may be on board with it, but they also may not. It's def it's not up to all car leasing in any way. It's definitely to do with the finance company. Uh, because obviously we are a broker, um, we're, we're just a middleman, um, but we at no point own the car. So um, interesting one. Yeah, it's 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 one that we get quite quite common. Can I add this? Can I add that? Um, but yeah, uh, just check out the car cust- uh, car customization blog that we've done. So Simon from Derby answered uh, a question from our last podcast, which was about parking on the curb and whether you could be done for it. Uh, Simon actually lives right next to a school and parked slightly on the lines. And he uh, had a parking attendant just throw the book at him, so he was pretty much forced to pay the fine. Yeah, like we said, uh, like it, it is in the in law that you shouldn't be parking on the pavement. So if you get done for it, I mean, the worst you could, there's nothing you could do once that guy's decided he's going to find you. That's it. It's a time and a place thing, isn't it? I suppose if you're next to a school, maybe it's a high traffic area for that type of thing. Yeah. Giuseppe from Bonus also sent us uh, a message after the last podcast on Packing the Curb, and he says that he has uh, lived on a terraced sort of street um, with double parking on the curb is common occurrence for the last 20 years. It's never been done for it. No one's ever complained. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you couldn't be fine. It doesn't mean that it is okay. I mean, what he's trying to say is he, he lives in an area where he was absolutely forced to do it. There was no other choice. And to be fair, I think a lot of Parkinson's may not even bother going to that area because that's not a hotspot for it. Mm. But that's not to say it's it's all right. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm just trying to say that just because you've been there for 20 years doesn't mean that he couldn't, you know, a Parkinson couldn't come tomorrow. Yeah. But I, I completely understand, especially on Terrace Street, like I did say on the podcast, you haven't got a choice. You've got to park there, haven't you? Yeah, and... It- Often it get they're the most thinnest roads to get a car down when you got double parts on either side. Yeah, especially fire engines though you got no chance of getting one of them down, which is probably why your tenants come knocking. So Jasper from Tarpley sent in uh, a bit of a moan about our previous podcast in that he's just had to show out three hundred pounds from new shock absorbers and the strut because he parks on a high curb right outside his house. 
day in, day out. So he parks around the corner now, but obviously it gives him a little bit of anxiety because he can't see his car anymore. Yeah, and I think that's one of the top reasons why people persevere and keep parking on the curbs, um, because they nobody wants... Quite, you know, people's cars um, can often cost not a million miles away from the value of their house, um, especially in, in, in terraced areas anyway. Um, and, it, and it just gives them anxiety that the prized possession is not there. You know, they don't... Thinking about the car being robbed or something like that, especially if you've got a... Usually where they would park on the curb, it might be well lit. Now they've got to park somewhere that they can't see, it may not be well lit. So it's a bit of a target for people or if to you, damage it. If you rely on your like, sort of home security cameras to keep an eye on your car overnight, obviously... Yeah, they don't reach it. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks very much for the feedback um, for uh, the previous podcast. And obviously, next week, we'll, we'll read out some of the feedback we got from this one. Um, but now let's just go through a couple of the recent car reviews we've got before I hand over to Chris for the deals of the week. The first one we've got is from Kirschnick Marshall, who released an A6 40 TDI Sport 5-door auto from us. He said, really nice car, big upgrade from my big previous A5 Sportback, better miles per gallon in the engine, much nicer interior and just feels superb, really love this car. Thanks ACL and the team for helping me get uh, the colour and the wheels I wanted, because I, I remember that one, because the wheels that he did end up getting was so much more of an upgrade, but we were so happy to, to you know, to help them out. You've got a great car there. The, the interior of the new A6 is phenomenal. Um, the second review I've got is on a Kia e-Nero. So the first edition model, there's a long lead time for these, so he must have had his order in quite early. This is from Julian James. He says the Kia e-Nero is possibly the nichiest car I've ever owned, and to be honest, I'm glad that I went for it. I made the transition to electric vehicles this year, and I must say I'm impressed. The e-Nero has a really good range and has saved me a fortune in travelling costs already. Uh, the car itself isn't the most beautiful looking. Oh, I disagree. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but still, not bad if I say so myself, and offers more than enough space inside. And then again, June James did give it five stars, so, you know. No complaints, really. No no real complaints. Uh, next one is uh, from Ruth Baines, who leased a Civic hatchback, the 1.5 VTEC Turbo, quite a bit of a beast. Um, not quite um, Type R, but not a million miles away from it. Uh, the Honda Civic really is a fantastic car. I've always gone for German cars in the past. Uh, but probably because she's read our article, our German, well, the original people to have written our German cars the best article. And I realised why drivers are shying away from them. I've never felt so safe in a car until now. The quality feels great. Handling amazing and comfort is brilliant. Um, I'm not bored of the Civic when it came to renew. I will probably take the next gen as well. So the next one is from Cam Davis. He's released a mini hatchback, the Cooper S model. He said it's a great car, fair bit of poke, and handles really nicely. It's the first brand new car he's ever owned, and he's loving it so far. Lots of room on the inside, and the seats are comfy. Not leather or anything, though. Thank you, Nick, to sort me the car. And that is it for the, for the customer reviews, um, for, well, since the last podcast. So uh, now it's Chris's turn for the um, hot deals uh, that we've got on the website you should check out right now. So thanks very much for listening, and it's, it's, uh, that's it for me, Ronnie. Uh, we look forward to having you on our next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers, Ronnie. So last week, if you listened to the podcast, the Kia Seed was still on special offer. Um, I'm pleased to say it's still on offer and it's still dirt cheap. So I'll get a hold of that if you're looking for just a generic family car. But this week, I wanted to highlight the Mercedes A-Class Saloon that we've got on a little batch deal. It's the A180D AMG Line Executive Auto. And it starts from 23999 a month. We've also got a recent reduction on the Suzuki Swift. That's the SCT model. That now starts from £143 a month. And finally, we're left with the Land Rover Range Rover Velar, 
the P250R Dynamic Auto Spec, and that starts from £450 a month. So I'll leave a link to these cars in the show notes below. Um, be sure to check them out. Be sure to check them out sooner rather than later because uh, the deals do tend to go quite fast. But anyway, thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one.